The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Mark, the fourth chapter, in verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This morning I want us to look at this, this passage. We're kinda, we've been going through the book of Mark pretty, pretty quickly. We've been moving on. We've been covering a lot of territory, but today... And maybe for the next couple of Sundays, I want us to slow down just a little bit. This, this uh, episode, this, this account here is, is uh, uh, the first of about four miracles that he's going to perform over the course of the end of chapter 4 and all through chapter 5. And, and we, at least on this one, we need to slow down for a minute and look at it in a little bit more detail. And I want you to notice that if, if, you, could, if you could put a, put a name on this, this event, on this account, you could call it the fearful followers. <laughs> the fearful followers. Now remember, Peter, as we've said, is, is, according to history, is dictating this account to Mark. But what I love about the truth of God's word and the truth of, of the gospels is that they don't leave out the bad stuff. They don't, you know, Peter doesn't try to make himself look better than everybody else. He just tells it like it was. And of course that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's why this book is so amazing because it's filled with the absolute truth of what happened. This, the history contained in this book is more certain than the histories of anyone else that's written any kind of history throughout the ages of time. And here we see the fearful followers of Jesus. And remember that Peter, who is about to be martyred for his faith as he's dictating this book, at this time was one of those fearful followers. Okay? Now, let's look at the storm first. Look at the storm. Notice its origin. It says uh, in verse... 37, there arose a great storm of wind. Notice it didn't say God sent a great storm of wind. Uh, Jesus had no need to stir up the storm. The world is good enough at stirring up storms on its own. The curse of Adam, the curse of sin upon this world is the origin of 99.99% of the storms. I'm not saying the Lord's never sent a storm. There are times he has. But we don't need to read between the lines or read something into here that's not there. Jesus uh, is about to teach these disciples a wonderful lesson. But, but he didn't have to stir up the storm to do it. The storm was stirred up. It, it arose, you see, because of the sin curse of this world. Now remember, too, 
There are times when we bring storms upon our own lives. There are some times when through our own disobedience, we create storms. Don't we have storms in our lives? It may not be a great storm of wind. It may be a storm of other kinds of problems. It may be a storm of financial difficulties. It may be a storm of marital difficulties. It may be a storm of, of church problems. It may be a storm of, uh, you name it, sickness, whatever it may be. There are all kinds of storms in our lives. But not every storm is brought on by what we do. Now, yes, there are some. If I, if I go out and, and, and live contrary to the word of God, there's go, you, you get ready. There's storms coming. If you want to walk down that broad path, there's a reason it says it leads to destruction. That, that's, that can be a storm of a magnitude that you will not survive it in this life. But what had the disciples done here to bring this storm on? Notice what it said. It said the same day, verse 35, Jesus said to them, let us pass over unto the other side. And, and they sent away the multitude. They took him even as he was in the ship, and they set sail. They, they weren't bringing this on themselves. What, what had, they had done nothing here. To bring us, not every storm we face is, is the result of something we've done. Not every storm is, is a problem that arises. You know, I've said this so many times, but I don't think I can say it too often. The chastening of God is something totally different than the troubles of the world. The chastening of God, if it is upon your life, I promise you, if you have any spiritual sense about you, if you seek it at all with a spiritual, your spiritual self, you will discover that it's chastening and why. So if you don't come to me and say, Brother Chris, what in the world have I done that the Lord is punishing me so? Well, you can come to me and say that. I shouldn't certainly come to me. But here's the answer you're going to get. If you don't know, it's probably not the Lord chastening you. The Lord is a better father than me. And, and I mean, much better than any of us. And I never spanked my children without telling them why. I didn't punish them just indiscriminately and just beat them. That's, that's abuse. That's not chastening. The Lord's so much better than that. You will, every time I've ever experienced the chastening of God, and believe me, I've experienced it, I've known exactly why. Maybe not at first. Maybe I had to get back to the Word and get back into myself and search my heart. And my, but I knew, I, knew it was, I knew it was chastening. And I knew why. Here, there's no sense of God chastening these disciples because they were being obedient. They were right where Jesus said for them to be. He said, let's get on the ship. Let's go to the other side. There they are. They didn't hesitate. They didn't try to go somewhere. They weren't like, this isn't Jonah, beloved. Jonah was on a ship one time, but he was experiencing the chastening of God. Because he was running from God. They were running with God. They were with the Lord Jesus Christ. But did you know that it's sometimes when we obey him that we end up right smack in the center of a storm? Sometimes it's in our closest obedience to him that we have troubles. I'll never forget when I surrendered to the call to preach, I was... I was at an independent Baptist church over in New Hope, Mississippi. 
And Brother Raymond Spann was my pastor. And I went to see him up in Winfield, and I went to talk to him about the fact that I was, I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach. And, and I saw that little, I mean, he was, he was rejoicing with me. He, he was kind of expecting it. <laughs> he was excited about it. But he told me, I could tell something he was holding back. And finally he told me, he said, Brother Chris, now I want to tell you something. You have never had an attack of Satan like you're about to have. Just get ready. Get ready. Now, I was being obedient to God's will. And Brother Spann was warning me about the devil attacking me. You mean, you mean to tell me I'm going to have a storm in my life? <laughs> and, and amen, it came. <laughs> it hit not long after that. I experienced that. But, but thank, praise God, through the faithfulness of that dear man, I was not taken by surprise. But I wouldn't have had to just listen to him. I could have gone to Brother Peter here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 12, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. He said, don't be surprised when the storms of life come. They're coming. Jesus says that in this world you will have tribulation. He said, they're coming. He said, don't think it strange. Don't, take, don't be shocked, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. <laughs> you see, the storm sometimes shows up right when we are in the center of God's will. And we find ourselves in the center of one of these storms. Notice its nature. It was an unexpected storm. Or at least to the disciples it was. It was unexpected to the disciples. That's the worst type, isn't it? It's hits you, hits you when you're least expecting it. I, I, you know, if I could prepare for all the storms of my life, I think I could handle them a whole lot better. But when the storms arise, when they come in and they, they hit us, I, you know, unexpectedly, that's when I get thrown off. When that unexpected storm hits, I get thrown off my groove. And the next thing you know, I'm living and acting like these faith, uh, fearful disciples. But praise God... The storm was not unexpected to Jesus. Thankfully, there is one with a capital O that is always prepared. Always prepared. He didn't cause it, but he was prepared for it. He didn't make it happen, but he, he was well aware that it was coming, and he was ready and able to help those disciples. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we, we've covered this before. Uh, that's, the, that's the often misquoted verse uh, that says that God won't put on you more than you can bear. That's not the way it, what it reads, and we've covered that adequately, I think, in another message. I'm not going not to go back over that, but in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, we read, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. <clears throat> who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Beloved, if God is not aware and prepared for every storm of life, then that verse cannot be true. If God, like us, is just rolling with the punches, 
That's what we do, isn't it? We're just rolling with the punches. We just, every time we turn around, uh, Satan is trying to assault us in some way. The world is trying to drag us down in some way. We're just rolling with the punches. You know, everything was going great back in March. Everything was going wonderful back in March. We had paid off the church building here. We had a wonderful uh, 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 annual meeting planned, and thank the Lord we were able to go on through with it. And then all of a sudden, boom, the storm of coronavirus hit. And, and the next thing you know, we're all quarantined. We're scared to hug each other. We're scared to shake hands. And I understand, rightly so in many cases, but I'm telling you, beloved, that's not from God. That is a storm from the devil himself. But has God not been prepared for that? Don't we? I hope you do. I feel closer to him now than I did before. We were, there are more people hearing the gospel, the true gospel of the grace of God, because some of us who were technologically challenged have figured out how to get it out on the Internet, you see. I'm rolling with the punches, but God was prepared for the storm. And I want you to notice something else, though, about this storm. I want you to notice its intensity. It's inten Don't you ever be guilty of making light of somebody else's storm. It would have been easy to stand there on the bank and say, hey, man, that's not that bad. There's a worse storm over here. <laughs> you, ever, you ever tried to comfort somebody and say, well... At least you don't have it as bad as brother so-and-so, you know. Well, look, just because just cause you got a broke arm, that don't make my broke leg feel any better, okay? <laughs> just remember that. It's, my, my broke leg hurts, you see. It, it's, it's a storm to me. It is per and it was a real, notice the intensity of this storm. It was a great storm. Don't diminish that. Don't lose sight of that in your mind. This was a great storm of wind. These disciples were facing something serious. And it wasn't just a, a little squall. It was something where the waves had beat into the ship so that the ship was now full. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not afraid of water, but I don't want to, you know, I, I don't look forward to drowning someday, okay? That, that's one of my fears is drowning. And I'm not scared to get out on the water like some are, but I... But I, but I do not want to drown. And if I, if I was on a ship it, where the, the waves had overtaken the ship to the point where it was filled up with water, the ship was about to capsize. Platitudes like, well, it could be worse, don't work for me in that situation. Okay? Um, well, just, just, just hold on. It'll be better. You know, don't. Give it a little time. That, none of that works. Okay? <clears throat> This was a real, great, and dangerous storm. It was a real problem. Storms of life can be that way, beloved. Don't make light of somebody else's, and don't be shocked when the storms of your life are great. Like I've said, they may be financial storms. They may be, they may be social storms, work storms. They may be sickness storms. I tell you, beloved... You know, I didn't have enough uh, sympathy for people with diabetes till I got it, okay? You know, I mean, it's easy to say, ah, oh, well, that's, that's bad, but it's not. No, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's a struggle. Yes, it's not cancer. Praise God. But, hey, it's still bad. <laughs> but here's my point. Don't 
make light of the storms of life, especially in someone else. And don't be shocked when they, when they overtake you that they're bad. These, this was a real problem. They, and look, he, when they went to him, they really believed. They weren't making this up. They, they, they really believed that they were about to perish. Master, carest thou not that we perish? They didn't say, Master, we're getting wet. It's cold. It's bad out here. We may catch a cold. No, they thought they were about to die. And beloved, the storms of our lives sometimes can make us think that we will not survive them. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Without Jesus, we may not survive them. <laughs> look at the disciples now, okay? We've seen the storm. Let's look at the disciples. Look at their fear. I've already, I've already, we've already talked about how bad the storm was. And, and from reading verses, all of this, but especially verses 37 and 38, it's clear that they didn't initially call Jesus. Jesus was asleep in the stern of the ship. He was asleep in the back of the ship. And, and, and they didn't, as soon as they saw the storm, go say, hey, let's get, let's get the Lord up and, and get him to help us with this. They said, well, it's a storm, but hey, we're fishermen. They had several experienced fishermen, people that had been sailors on this very same sea, on this boat, we can handle this. It's just a storm. We'll handle it. It's, you know, trying to work it out themselves. And that, you recognize that problem? <laughs> I do. There's two ways to allay your fears. There's really basically two ways. One is to take it over. That is to try to take control. And the other is to turn it over. <laughs> or give control over to somebody who's better able to handle it. I'm so bad to be in the first category. I am afraid of what I cannot control. I'm afraid of that. I, it, when, when, I'm, when I hear the diagnosis, Parkinson's, diabetes, cancer, whenever, whatever it may be, you've got this problem. That I get, I'm scared because I can't control it. I fear what I can't control. So my initial response is usually, go, okay, well, what can we do? Let's do this. Let's do that. I mean, I'll never forget, I, I, don't, I don't mean to share all my ex own personal experiences, but, but one that comes to mind very clearly uh, in this situation, when Ashley was diagnosed with diabetes when she was four years old, type one, man, I said, we got to do something, you know, we got to fix this. I got online and found a clinical trial in Houston, okay? So I said, this is, we're going to do it. So we made five trips out there and back. And, and, and it didn't work. It was, it was something that uh, apparently helped some, but it didn't help her, you know. And I was, when, when, I was, when I was through with that, when I was through the part where I was trying to fix the problem, trying to control the issues, I finally just had to say, Lord, <laughs> you got to take it over. I, I can't do it. You, you ever been there? You ever had a situation like you want to? I'm going to control it. That's what they were doing. They were. I'm sure they were on that. They weren't laying down with him in the boat. They were standing up on the on the deck and they were trying to operate the sails or the oars or whatever it was that they were doing, trying to control the wind or at least trying to control the ship in the winds. Now remember, he had already told them who he was, <laughs> and he was right there in the ship. 
but they nevertheless tried to do it themselves. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> sound familiar to you? Well, notice their response where they got to. <laughs> All of their efforts failed. And they reached the point where they believed the ship was going down and the terror of the drowning or of whatever the results were going to be, the terror, as it often does, became anger. Anger. Isn't in that, in that like us so much? Isn't that one of the first places we go? It, it, hey, you don't have to confess this. Don't raise your hand. But I want you to think about it. You ever, you ever gone to God and said, Lord, don't you care about me? What are you doing to me? What, what, don't you care, Lord? Lord must not care. Anger. I mean, I can remember several major problems that, that arose in my young life where I'd see uh, some tragedy happen. And my first response wasn't to hit my knees and, and pray to God. It was to say, why is this happening? Why? You know, I want to grit my teeth. Doesn't God care? That's where they went with this. They said, they didn't say help us. They didn't say save us. They said, Master, don't you care that we are drowning here? We're about to die here. I'm about to be capsized in this storm of life that has hit me here unexpectedly. And it's a great storm. It's a great storm of wind. It's a great storm of sickness. It's a great storm of loss or whatever else you want to plug in there. Don't you care, God? The truth is, He cares the most. <laughs> but sometimes we forget that in the middle of the storms. Oh, I do. <laughs> now think about this. When the, when the clouds began gathering on the horizon, the wind picked up a little bit. <clears throat> Before the great storm of wind hit, you think we'd be in the same place reading about the same thing if they immediately had gone down to him and said, Lord, there's a storm coming. We need you. We need you. They'd, seen, they'd heard his words. They'd seen his miracles, but they still didn't get it. You know what the problem is here? They knew about Jesus in theory, okay? But the reality of Jesus had escaped them. They hadn't discovered it yet. As far as they were concerned, he was just a sleeping concept in the back of their boat. In the middle of this storm, as they were trying to control it and work on it and do it themselves, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and earth, the one with all power through heaven and earth, the one who would ultimately be seated at the right hand of the Father, who came from the Father and is now God manifest in the flesh on earth, was just a concept, just a theory, sleeping in the back of their boat. Kind of sounds familiar to me. i got to be honest with you. <clears throat> I, I, I trust we'll come back to this if the Lord continues to lead in this direction, but I'll say this. It is often in the midst of the storm that Jesus goes from being a theory to a reality. That's been my experience. And it's not just a one-time lesson now. 
But don't, don't get me wrong. It's not one you just learn once and then, oh, I got it. It's one that I have to learn over and over and over again. Because that old human nature is still in me. But it is often in the midst of the storm of life that has overtaken you that Jesus goes from being just, oh, yeah, he's, he's great, he's good, God is good all the time, to I need you, Lord. I've got to have you because I cannot make it without, I will perish without you. Now let's look at the Savior. <laughs> Notice what he said, okay, verse 35. First of all, now here's where faith comes in. He said, let us pass over unto the other side. Okay, that's the words of Jesus. Not my words, not Peter's words. Not Mark's words. Jesus told those fearful disciples, he said, let us pass over to the other side. So, so I want to ask you a question. What did Jesus intend for them to do? <laughs> he didn't say, hey, guys, let's go out into the middle of the sea and drown. He didn't say that, did he? <laughs> he said, hey, let's go out there and let's chase that storm and maybe we'll die. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. So what did Jesus intend for them to do? He intended for them to pass over to the other side. If they had remembered his words and had faith in what he said, they would not have had the fear that caused them so much trouble in this case. So what he said was, let's pass over. But now notice where he was. Verse 38, it says, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. <laughs> I like that. Jesus was so confident in his purpose that he just, and he was tired. Now listen, he was a man. You understand too, this was not Jesus. Jesus isn't just making a show here. Uh, he, was he was tired. He, he had been, if you go back and read and remember where we've been, he's been working and, and teaching and preaching. And if you don't think preaching is hard work, come home with me some Sunday night and see how worn out I am. It's, it's a, Sunday's a work day for me, and it's a great day, but it's not, it's preaching is not, I'm tireder often when I get through preaching a couple times on Sunday than I am working all day out there on the farm. He was tired. He was a man. He was tired. He's not putting on a show here. He was really tired. He really needed to go lay down and go to sleep. But, you know, now, if I knew there was a storm coming, and I knew there was a possibility that the waves would beat high up on my ship and I might be swamped, I wouldn't be going to sleep. I don't care how tired I was. But Jesus knew what he intended to do. And so, being confident in his purpose... He lay down to sleep, knowing the storm was coming. They thought he was sleeping and didn't care. And by the way, let me just say this too. They were never in any danger because they had the Savior on board, even if he was asleep. But, but do you understand that, that you'll never catch Jesus sleeping again? because on this earth, when he was a man walking this earth, his, his earthly body, and he was fully man, required food, refi required refreshing, required sleep. He doesn't require sleep anymore. 
He's been raised from the dead. He's been resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're told that the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Beloved, you don't have to worry about him physically sleeping again. Even then, they didn't need to worry about him sleeping because he had already said we're going to the other side. But I'm telling you, beloved, we've got it even better. You don't have to worry about Jesus sleeping because he's not sleeping and he's not slumbering. Where is he today? He is seated at the right hand of the Father on high. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says, Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Why? Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know, he doesn't have to go petition the Father. He doesn't have to work his way through the red tape, through the bureaucracy to get to him. He's seated at his right hand. He can just reach over and tug on his garment and say, Hey, Father... He needs you. He needs us down there. Brother Chris is in trouble. There's a storm in his life. He needs us. Let's go take care of him. You see, he's got that ability. And he's not sleeping. And he's not slumbering. Notice what he did. Verse 39. He arose. Praise God. Isn't that glorious? When his, even when his fearful disciples petitioned him without faith, even when they were faithless and ultimately were rebuked, he still arose. That gives me great comfort because there's so many times in my life when I'm fearful and faithless. But notice, he arose, it says, and he rebuked the sea. He said, he said unto the sea, peace, be still. That literally means put a muzzle on it. <laughs> be muzzled. <laughs> And, and the sea, and notice it says the, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. That's not the way storms end, is it? Most storms, even when the storm's gone, the waters and the waves are still, are still rocking, you know? Even when the worst of the storm is passed, the rocking of the waves, it can still be bad. But in Jesus' case, when he said, be still, be muzzled, it was a great calm. Isn't that great? He goes from a great storm to a great calm. You know, I've experienced that in my life. When there's no earthly way that the sea should have been smoothed, yet there's a great calm. Now, that doesn't mean the circumstances have necessarily gotten better, but there's a great calm in me. He rebuked the sea, and then he rebuked the disciples. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He's saying, What's up with your lack of faith? Why, didn't you hear what I said? Didn't you understand that I said we're going to go to the other side? <clears throat> now, they had no evidence that what Jesus had said to them would happen. They, it, it, in fact, it looked as if it wouldn't because it was a great storm of wind, right? And they were about to capsize. The circumstances gave no evidence whatsoever to the truth of Jesus' words. But that's where faith comes in. We're told that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But beloved, <clears throat> you need to know the truth in order for the truth to make you free. You need to listen, in other words, to Jesus' words. You need to listen to what he's saying. 
You need to hear it. That means nowadays, he's not speaking to us audibly. That means we need to be in the Word. We need to stay in the Word of God and in communion with Him. This is God's love letter to man, to His people. He loved His people. And He gave us this letter in, a, in, in this, this thing we call the Bible. It's the inspired Word of God. And He's giving us this so that we might know the truth. Some of the Pharisees thought that this is what gave you eternal life. He said, that's not what gives you eternal life. He said, they are they. He said, search the scriptures. You think in them you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. And that's what we need more than anything else. So, so what do we take from this, from this account here as we kind of wrap this up and bring it to a close this morning? Well, first of all, don't ever forget that the storms of life will overtake us. They will. I don't know anybody in this room, I don't know anybody who's ever lived that's a child of God at least that hasn't experienced some kind of problems in life. It may not be a physical storm, it may be. I know some people that are beloved children of God whose houses were blown away in tornadoes. It may be a physical storm, it may be a spiritual storm, it may be an emotional storm, it may be a mental storm, it may be a financial storm, it may be a storm of sickness or death or loss. But don't you think you're going to escape it? The storms of life will overtake. And that's what Jesus said, isn't it? He said, in this life ye shall have tribulations. If you believe in shall, as I do, that means you're going to. The best way to handle this, uh, well, <clears throat> Jesus told a story, an account, in the seventh chapter of Matthew about two men who built two different houses. One house was built on the sand. One house was built on the rock. Both houses experienced a storm, but the, the, the one that was able to weather the storm was the one who built his house upon a rock. And beloved, there is no substitute for building your house on the capital R, rock, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. The one, the rock of our salvation. That's the way we can survive. The storms of life will overtake us. And we can only survive if we built on the rock. I'm, I'm, let me make this plain too. We're not talking about eternity here. That story about the men building on the rock and the sand wasn't about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. He was preaching there to children of God who were interested in the things of God. But beloved, as a child of God, your house on this earth may fall if you haven't built it upon the right foundation. But remember in the storms of life that the Savior is on board. <laughs> the Savior is on board. He may seem to be sleeping. He may seem to not be acting, but he is always there. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Later on, these disciples, these same disciples, Peter here who is dictating this to John Mark, these same disciples will be fearless. They will go about proclaiming the gospel in the face of the most severe persecutions. All but one of those disciples will end up dying a martyr's death. There will be a time when Peter will say, oh, whether it be right to obey you or not, but we're going to obey God. We're going to obey God rather than man. You tell me what's right. 
There will be a day when these faithless, fearful disciples will be fearless in the face of persecution. But right now, their faith is still undeveloped. It's still in its infancy. I say this, if they had possessed the faith on this day that they will possess one day, they'd have probably gone back there and said, Lord, this great storm is here. Uh, move over. I need, to, I need to take a nap too. <laughs> I, I, need, I can lay down with you in the, in the boat because they could trust that he was going to take care of them. The fact that he is with us, beloved, in every situation and every storm is the most solid fact of our lives. Hey, I'll be with you. I know you'll be with me if you can. I'll go to be with you. You know, I, one of the things that preachers are known for doing, and, and I try to do, is visiting the sick, visiting those that are, that are shut in. Well, guess what? They won't let us now. So all this faithfulness, that I, this faithful preacher that I try to be, to try to go visit those that are shut in, those that are sick, they won't let us. I can't even go see Sherry's aunt who is in the nursing home. They won't allow even her children to come see her. So for me to say, I will be with you no matter what, that's a good sentiment, but there may be circumstances that prevent me. But the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you always, even to the end of the world, he says. That is a fact in your life. And the only thing that varies is how, how, how tightly you hold on to that truth. It, the truth is there. But the question is, are you holding on to it tight enough? He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. In the midst of the storm, when the ship is about to capsize, Jesus is still there, whether you see him or not, whether you feel him or not. The question is, are you going to grasp that tightly or not? You see, <clears throat> he is always with us. And as I've already said, sometimes... The storms of life are the place, at least for me, where Jesus goes from being just a theory or just a concept to the very reality of my life. You know, it's so hard for me to maintain my faith when things are going good. I, I admit it. It's hard. Everything's going great. My football team's winning. You know, I'm making enough money. I'm, I'm living the life. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. And you know what I forget at that point? I forget about Jesus. I forget about the Lord and how much I need Him. But I'll tell you, beloved, in the midst of some of the storms of my life, Jesus has gone from being a theory to a reality. He's gone from being a sleeping concept in the back of my boat to being the captain of my ship. And beloved, I'll tell you this morning that that is the way that it works in our lives. And we don't need to forget that even in the good times. I don't like the storms. But I'll tell you something. I preached a message not too long ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And I bet you if you talk to them today in heaven and you ask them what was the greatest day of your life Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego what was the greatest thing you experienced in your life they wouldn't say it's when my team won the pennant <laughs> they wouldn't say it's when I got elevated to this post they'd say it was there that day in the fire because Jesus was with us in a way he had never been before see in the fire in the storm don't, don't rail against it don't 
Don't be guilty of saying, Lord, don't you care? That's when He cares the most, if you can put it that way. <clears throat> Jesus, another thing we take from this, by the way, Jesus did not promise smooth sailing. Remember what He said in John 16? He said, in this world you shall have tribulation. There are going to be storms. There's going to be. He did not promise smooth sailing, but he did promise a safe landing. <laughs> I like that. I, I, look with me back again in Mark chapter 4. Look, okay, let's read verse 35, chapter 4. Let, notice what Jesus said. Let us pass over unto the other side. Now skip down to Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea. <laughs> Isn't that something? Doesn't that just give you chills? I want to tell you, beloved, if Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. <laughs> I'll tell you, when he says that, he means it. Jesus says we are going to the other side. The disciples went to the other side. Beloved, in your life, if Jesus says I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I will never leave or forsake you in, in this life or in eternity, beloved, you can count on that like you can't count on anything else. I mean, think about it, beloved. This is the one who loved you from before the foundation of the world. He didn't leave your salvation eternally to chance. He didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to try to make a way for, for all the people out there to if they'll do right, to get to heaven. No. He said, I love this people. I'm going to save this people. In fact, I'm going to predestinate them to be conformed to my image someday. And in time, I'm going to go die for this people. And that's, I'm talking to children of God here, I trust. You're the ones that he said that about. You're the ones that he died for. You think he's going to forsake you just because some great storm of life comes up? <clears throat> I tell you, beloved, circumstances may seem overwhelming, but the Savior is the great overcomer. There's a song. <clears throat> There's a song out there called Chain Breaker that I, I like. It's a contemporary Christian song. And this is, this is what it, <clears throat> it says. It said, if you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. <laughs> if you need freedom... Or saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain-breaker. Peter and, and his companions were in the, in the jail one night. And <clears throat> suddenly there was, a, there was an earthquake. I mean, there was no other way to get out of that jail. They had been, they had been put in jail, and the, pris the prison guards, the captain of the guards, had been charged with... His own life was charged with their lives. No way they're getting out. But Peter knew a God who was a prison-shaking God. <laughs> and that prison shook and crumbled, and the chains fell away. You see, that's, that's the Lord. That's the one that was asleep in the hinder part of their ship. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this. I want you to notice <clears throat> verse 41. They had great fear of that storm, but by the time the storm was over, they had a greater fear of God. It says, they feared exceedingly. 
and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? <clears throat> now, you got to cut them a little slack because this was the beginning of the Lord's ministry. And they didn't know everything then that they will know by the end of their lives. They had not witnessed the resurrection yet. But they should have known that this man was the son of God. They should have known that they could trust him. But they still, like us, they had to be taught, okay? But by the end of this storm that caused them great fear, they had a greater fear of the one who calmed the storm. Beloved, he gave them a fear that was different. Now they knew that God was present in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, they knew that there was something special about this man. Beloved, the one thing the storm taught them was that the, the Lord was greater than the storm. The one thing they learned in the storm is that their fear of the storm would be out, would be overshadowed by their fear of God because they knew the man. They knew the one who was able to calm the storm. Beloved, may our fear of God replace our fear of the storms that we experience in life. May the storms of life not overtake us, not cause us to to run in fear, in circles, trying to control it ourselves. May, may the storms of life not, not be such that we want to try to take control, but that we want to turn over control to the one who the winds and the waves obey. Praise God for his power and glory even in the midst of the storm. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.